this is Linda. And this is Leslie. With Less Talk. I'm so excited that we're going to talk today, Linda. Woo! We're with Ebony, Leslie. Yes, this is a, such a dear friend of mine. Her name is Ebony, and she has a wonderful topic that she's going to be sharing with us about home health care and how home health care heals the heart. Wow. What does that mean? Ebony, can you share with us? So um, I'm a CNA, which is a certified nurse assistant. And at the moment, I do home care. So a lot of times you go into a home, you know, you clock in, you do whatever they need, which is fine, you know, but it's in return when you actually uh, give a little bit of yourself in return. So it's like a back and forth thing. You know, your heart is in it. It's not a clock in and clock out thing. What do you get out of it? Like you said, um, it heals your heart. How does that, how do you heal your heart? How, what does that mean? You know, it's interesting how like the, a caregiver, no matter if you're getting paid for it, or if you are, you know, just a, a family member, you know, you go through your own issues, you go through your own problems. But when you step outside yourself to help someone else, you know, you get someone something in return. It's a very humbling experience. Uh, you know, you see things, you learn recipes, you know, you learn about history, you learn about all these things about something. So it kind of takes you out of whatever mental, physical state that you're in, you know, you're focused on that person. And in return, that person's giving you something and that they don't even realize they're giving you at that time. Wow. How do you do that? It sounds like you have to like kind of forget about yourself. How does that work? You know, honestly, it's for me, it's like a one-on-one -on -one thing, which I love one-on-one. -on -one. So uh, when you go, when I go into a client's uh, house, it's more of what do they need while I'm there. Um, I try to figure that out. And then outside the surface, I try to see what else I can do besides that. Um, does God want me to say something? Does God want me to do anything? Can I do something just to leave a mark, something to keep them going? Because a lot of um, with the COVID, it's a lot of... Um, mental things going on a lot of people are declining they're by themselves there's no more hugging there's no more touching there's no more communication really so they're locked in this house so to have somebody like laugh giggle cook with them just simple things is very uplifting since you said the COVID, is there a big difference in your feel of home care before and after now how does that affect you with your clients i don't think it's a struggle getting better i believe it's um makes them isolated it makes them isolated because you can talk all day long, but a lot of people miss that touch. You know, a lot of people miss the visitors. They miss the holidays. They miss that. So when you don't have that anymore, um, it could be a decline. I mean, sometimes, I mean, meds do help. Don't get me wrong. Meds are good. But I feel like your mental health and the meds and exercise and everything with that, that helps them be better moving forward where they can take care of themselves. It's all like a balance. I mean, one thing that, I hear in your what you're saying is that not only are you impacting them physically, but you're also impacting them emotionally. How is how in that turn has affected you? Uh, <laughs> you know what? It's a it's a healing. It's healing for me because I'm not thinking at that time about me. It's not about me at that time. Um, I don't have to think about the thoughts or whatever's going on me at that time. I'm actually focused on that person. So it, it actually um, makes me feel good just by talking to someone, seeing that, okay, I make them smile. 
I make them happy. I make them, you know, just it's the littlest things. It's not like I'm just going out, out of myself. I'm just being me. And that's all that's needed at that time. So that's what I, I try to be is me at all times, you know, besides of, you know, textbook is good. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes you have to look outside of that and see what that person needs also. And then you'll see as you go, you know, they'll say little stuff. Oh, I need this. Or I'm so glad this, or I need, they'll let you know as they're talking to them, what they're, what they need. And nine times out of 10, they want that companionship. Yes. That's so true. How long have you been doing this, Ebony? 11 years. 11 years. Wow. This says a lot about a person, right, Linda? Because when you're caring for other people, and especially when it's a person that normally we as we don't we're not prone to go and support because when you're talking about people who are sick and elderly that's not something that everyone readily gets into that field so that says a lot about you ebony to do that and i do have to say this on the side ebony helped to care for my mother before my mother passed that's how i got to know ebony um and my mother just loved her she thought of her as her daughter and she had that caring way. And like Ebony said, she was just herself. She had that caring way that was able to bring my mother out of whatever mood she had, whether it was a kind word that she would say, and she'd call my mama diva because she knew how my mother was so conscientious about how she looked. So she would call her my diva. And so my mother would be, oh, Ebony was just here. And I'm like, mama, what were you and Ebony talking about? So she enjoyed that relationship. It wasn't just there to help her physically but it was a relationship too what questions should we ask for an interview what questions should we do that and what things we should look for that's what i really want to say oh one thing i would say is um just sitting with the person talking to them you'll get their character within those moments i would say do that first get to know them first because you'll see what you don't like and what you do like just by having a conversation but also um a lot of it has to do with uh, background too. Some people are, you know, just going to school and just do it on the side and they just do it just for a little money. And in that conversation, you can pick up, you know, what you're looking for and what you're not looking for. And then you can go from there and do like an outline because I felt like not only should the main caregiver be there, but the uh, client as well. So they can sit down and say, I need this, I need that. Because they are, there are home health aides where they can just sit with you and maybe cook here and there. But for me being a certified nurse assistant, you know, I do more bedridden and I do more physical therapy, stroke victims. I do more of the background. So it, I think it's more research of what you're looking for. And from what I'm noticing with the clients, um, they may find somebody, they may be fitting for it, but it's the one-on-one -on -one that they, they want. They don't want someone just clocking in and clocking out, which is really difficult for people to find right now, um, especially with COVID, because you want that. You want to be able to leave your family member with someone and not have to be calling or, you know, cameras or whatever that need be because you're afraid to leave your mother alone with someone you really don't know. So I would say background and research and talking to your loved ones and seeing what do you really want for your loved one, what type of person are you looking for, and then go from there. That's good. And I'm hearing this too, Ebony, that not only is it a healing of the heart for the person that you're caring for, but it's a healing for the heart for the families too. Because right. when you trust someone, that's like trusting your child with someone. When you're trusting your parent who at this point has become so dependent that now they're dependent on someone else 
as the daughter in my case, it was healing my heart knowing that my mother was in Ebony's care. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to worry. I knew she would be cared for. So there's a healing there. So it's That's a triple thing. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, I love it. So now, Linda, I know that this is something that we had private conversations about, like this type of field. What do you think, Ebony, what type of person, personality or characteristics would be best suited for this line of work? You can't be selfish. You definitely can't be selfish. Um, you have to be flexible. You have to be a, a listening. You know, you have to be able to go outside yourself when it's need be, because it's not all about you. Uh, you have to make sure that not only the client is safe, but you know, you, you have to not only take care of the client, you have to take care of the, the caregiver and the family. And what I mean is, you know, keep them involved, communication, what's going on, safety, all that, because as a whole, you're not just directly with the helping the client, you're helping the whole entire family. Like you were saying, Leslie, it's a, it spreads out to everyone. Because um, it's not easy. It's not easy when you see a family member decline. It's not easy sometimes when, you know, one person is doing everything and you, and you don't have any help. And then when you get that help, you know, you get that break, you know, you get that peace of mind, you get that guidance or you get information that you may have not known. Oh, I didn't know I can use, you know, this safety belt escape belt. I didn't know that I could use this shower chair. I didn't know that, you know, it was not a safety thing. I didn't know. So it's like a communication thing because you're trying to help this person stay at home. And then you want the family to be secure at the same time because you want to avoid putting in the, you know, home, you know, nursing home or hospital. Not saying there's nothing wrong with the nursing home, but I feel like at home is the best healing process because you're at home, your things are there, your family is there, you have accessible things to, to you know to use all your stuff yeah. so when I go to a client's house I say I'm your visitor I'm your assistant I'm here to visit and assist you because some people when they say what do you mean I have a caregiver I don't want them here and you have to let them know that's not the only reason why I'm here I'm here as a friend I'm here as associate your assistant not to boss you around not anything like that so exactly that is so true Ebony and I remember just even at times, and I don't want to make this about me, but I can just totally identify what Ebony say. When I would call my mother, she said, oh, Ebony's here. And I said, oh, okay, we'll talk later. Because I knew she was okay. And that is true. When you're talking about dealing, dealing with people who are dealing with your loved ones, you definitely want to have someone that you trust. And that right. doesn't happen overnight. That, it's a relationship that's formed. So Ebony, I applaud you. I applaud your your desire to do this line of work because it takes a special person to do it. And I think you are that person. Yeah. Ebony, what about a loss when you lose a patient? How, how, how are you with that? Honestly, the first time I have experienced it in a home care setting uh, was with Eleanor, which was um, Leslie's mom. That was more of, it was not just me being her caregiver. Uh, she was my friend. And she was my friend for like six years. And uh, even when I moved, you know, we would talk every week. So it was, it's something that, you know, manifested something different. It wasn't, it wasn't easy, but you know what? It was, God gave me peace in it because um, I had that friend. I didn't know when you pray for certain things that you need, you know, you sometimes forget what you pray for. 
And then when it happens, God remind you, I had this person because you needed it. Because that right there with Eleanor, that right there was the healing that I really, really needed at that time. And I didn't realize it um, to the point where she had gone. And that's when I realized, I was like, oh my God, okay, God, this is why, you know, our relationship and how we were introduced, how everything happened for a reason. It was all, all God made. And that's what opened the door that I wanted to do home care. That was where my heart is. And I said, you know, I want to do home care. That's what I want to do from now on. Mm. After so many, does it, how does it affect you? It, (laughs) it could be heartbreaking at times. You know, I call it like the switch on, switch off. You know, I have to, you know, keep my emotions in check. You know, I do my devotionals. I do my reading. I do my singing. I do whatever I can just to, you know, but it's the piece of it knowing that I had that time with that person and knowing that, um, you know, that time that they affected me and I affected them. So I can move on from that and then be able to give whatever um, I receive from that person or learn, I can give to the next person. That's beautiful. I love it, Linda, because it is. It's about healing the heart in so many ways. And that speaks volumes, Ebony. That speaks to a lot of different areas when we're saying healing the heart. Home health care. I never would have thought about it in that light. What about you, Linda? I thought that's amazing. I mean, I know in my with my mom, that's what we're trying to figure out and different things like that now. So um, having you on helps a lot of just even asking the questions. Um, what is the biggest mistakes like for for me and my sisters looking for that for my mom? What are some um, things that we should know or, or mistakes that that a lot of people make? Um, one to know that your um, your loved one is still them. You know, it's just you know it could be a disease or it could just be a changing of life. And that they just need just assistance for right now. A lot of family members have a, it's it's difficult seeing that their loved one is, you know, it may be declining or they're shifting and things like that. And a lot of times, instead of it bringing people together, it can get frustrated and bring things separate. And a lot of times um, as a caregiver, when you see something like that, you kind of have to have balance and bring to the whole thing that everybody's helping, everybody plays a part, and that this is just something that's temporary. Your loved one is still there. It's just a decline at the moment because you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days, you know, uh, depending on what the uh, diagnosis or what the um, setback is. And then the second question will be, what or how can we make it go smoothly when um, the elderly don't know it's a problem. Like they don't want care. They think they can still do it on their own. What are some things that we can do to make that transition? I, I, I actually had that problem. I went, I went to a, a house and this client was like, no, I don't need it. And they, the daughter was stressed out because she had to go to work. And I'm like, well, you know, let me talk to the client. Let, let me see. And it's, when people think about someone coming to their house, they're thinking about someone taking charge. They're thinking somebody is going to just tell them what to do, what not to do, or you can't do that. That is not the idea. And I think that's the confusion there. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be there as a caregiver. We're giving care. So we're not disrupting their routine. We're there to help them. We're there to guide them. But yes, in a safety way, but it's, way, it's the way you word things. If you see something, you say, oh, do you think that's a good idea? Or maybe we should try this. Why not? But you do have strong-minded people that will straight up and say, I'm not doing this. I don't want to do that. And you just say, okay, 
because it's their home, they're independent, and you just roll with it, and you just keep communication with them, their family, let them know what's going on. But as long as they're safe and they're happy, you know, let them do whatever they want to do as long as they're in their safety limits. Good. That's good. And that's being respectful of the family, too. And that's being respectful of the person, the client, that they remain there, keep their dignity. Because I know right. that's for people when they get older. Okay, they realize that they have needs, but they still want to have their dignity. And right. I don't want um, that to be misconstrued when we're talking about home care. Yes, you want, you're coming in their home, you're supporting, but you're also helping them to still be independent to some level of, you know, respect. There's still some level of respect there in that, in that regard. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So that's good. Right. That's so good, Ebony. I just love what you do. I love it because there is such a need out there. And we don't want our to see our elderly parents decline. We don't want to see their health go down. But we also want them to see, we also want them to be cared for still, you know. Exactly. So, Ebony, are there any words that you would say to someone who is, like Linda was saying, looking in that direction or um, considering even going into that field? Uh, I would say that you really have to see and check out who you are as a person. Is this something that you were willing to do, you know, care for someone else? Because it's a, you can't be selfish. You know, you have to be, you know, a giver. You have to be a carer and things like that. And then you have to realize that the people you are caring for, they are an individual and they are still the same people. They are nurses, they're bus drivers, they're doctors, all these people, they're people. So what you're seeing could be a decline, but they're still a person and they just want to be treated as that person. And then once you treat them as that, you will see them come around. You'll see them smiling. You'll see them laughing. I think that's like the best medicine you can give someone. So Ebony, I want to ask you one last question. What would be two or three um, suggestions you would give to help people with their new um, caretaker? Um, I would say if you have um, like a 24-hour thing and that client or patient is at home, I would suggest one of those lock boxes that has like the combination, the key comes out. And then if you have somebody that, you know, you don't too much care for, or there's not a fit with your, with your loved one, you can always change the combination. And then you don't have to worry about thinking someone's gonna, you know, come in your loved one's house or anything like that. It's all about safety. Uh, the other thing is that when you go into someone's house and they're married spouse wife that you're not only taking care of you know that one even though they want you to go and take care of that one you still want to say hey are you okay to the spouse are you okay need help with anything because you know they're married they're one and you know they're uh, unified also always include the family member and whatever care that you're giving always include them it could be temperature it could be something simple about a safety thing could be anything. Always communicate with the um, the caregiver because you never know if they're missing something. You never know if it's something they forgot or suggest something. It's no harm of, you know, giving any ideas that you think, but just the way you come and the way you say it also. That's good. Those, those are very good practical tips. And I love that, Ebony, because you're right, Linda. These are things you don't think about going in because I know when I was doing this for my mom, there are certain things I didn't know what to ask. I just knew that 
Oh, I trust her. Well, how did I trust her? She came as a referral from someone that we knew, a mutual friend. I trusted the mutual friend and I said, okay, well, let me go that route. But that's not always the case with everybody. So we right. were fortunate to have it that way, but that's not always everyone's uh, situation. Leslie, I just thought about that. Can you share some of your experience of having a caretaker or having, yeah, a caretaker for your mom? Well, like I said earlier, one thing that was big for me was that I had to trust the person. You know, we had prior to meeting Ebony, I had a couple of people that weren't a good fit. My mother was a little stronger. She was still a little more independent and she could kind of, um, and my mother was something else. She could still kind of dictate what she wanted to do. And so she would do things that I personally didn't like, but my mother's grown. But anyway, she would do certain things I didn't like and the person would go along with it. And it wasn't really necessarily in her best interest. So, okay, that wasn't a good fit. We had to let that person go. Um, but then when we met Ebony, and again, it was through a mutual friend and that was just ordained because I don't even know how the conversation came up with the young lady and I had mentioned, I said, yeah, um, I'm looking for some support for my mom. And she said, oh, I, know, I know a nice young lady. I know a girl, I know, not a girl, I know a lady. And she goes to the church. I said, who? And she said, Ebony. And I said, Ebony, I don't, and I was new to the church because Ebony and I went to the same church. I was new to the church. I didn't know a lot of people. I said, okay. And so I don't know how that happened, Ebony. If we talked on the phone, if you came over to the house, right? Didn't we set up a time? Right, right. Came over to the house. And she talked with mom and it seemed like mom and Ebony hit it off right away. And I knew after that, after getting to know Ebony, talking to her, hearing her story from other people, that she was a quality person, a, a, a reputable young lady, a person of integrity. These were things that I was looking forward to. And she was a, a believer. I knew she wouldn't do anything questionable, like steal or anything like that. So I was very, my heart was at peace. And then once I got to know Ebony even more, I was really at rest when she would come over because my mother would have a gap. There would be a time that the first young lady would leave and then there would be a gap and then Ebony would come. Well, I'm on the phone all the time with my mother making sure she's okay. And then closer to the time Ebony would supposed to have been there, I would say, she said, oh, Ebony's here. I'm like, okay. Then I was fine for the next three hours because I knew Ebony was with my mom until she helped her get in the bed. So it was very comforting knowing that we had somebody to care for her when I was not there. Someone that I knew would give the same kind of care that I would give. And actually she gave even better care. Having the medical background, having uh, the physical therapy background, she introduced me and my mom to a lot of things like you had mentioned earlier, Ebony, that we didn't even know about. You know, safety tips that were very important. And my mom would say, no, no, Leslie, you're not doing it right because this is how Ebony did it. She wanted to make sure it was done the way Ebony did. And I was like, well, mama, I don't know how Ebony did it. So, you know, it, Ebony was the, the, the law, the rule, of the, the rule of the land, the law of the land. If Ebony said it this way, it had to be the way Ebony said, and it's the truth. And I knew that my mom trusted her. So I loved it. I love having someone that I knew that cared for my mother. What about the very first time? Can you share that experience? Your first time having a caregiver, your first day. It has to be anxiety. It was a lot of anxiety. 
because I didn't know whether or not to trust the person. But the thing is, my mom was still mentally, that's, she never lost that part of her, you know, she could speak up, she, she could cuss, I'm not advocating that, but you know, she could, <laughs> she could say what was on her mind. <laughs> so I knew that that part of her, she would be able to speak up for herself and take care of herself in that regards. And if it was anything questionable, she'd let me know. But it still was anxious because she was the person would come into the home. So, you know, later on I did put cameras up only because they were more for my peace of mind to to watch my mother when she didn't have anyone there. Um, it was never necessarily to watch the young ladies that were there because I, at that point, the people that were coming in were people that I trusted. But it was still, it was anxiety all the time because you just don't know, you know, when you're not there, you don't know, so. Okay, Ebony, I know I keep saying one more question, one more question, one more question. <laughs> <laughs> Forget, I'm not even gonna say one more question. I got a question. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because when we talk it just you can go deeper with it so from your experience what is your fear going to somebody's house for the first time I honestly I have anxiety because a lot of times I don't I may know their name um, I mean you know, the address everything like that but I go in in fear of oh my god what if I can't do this you, know, you have all these doubts and things like that so I have to be there's a prayer that I say every time I meet a new client. And then once I ring that doorbell, I get in there, you know, you just feel like this release and you feel, you know, you feel more comfortable. And then you talk to the client, you talk to the caregiver. And then once you have those first moments of conversation, then I feel more comfortable. And then I'm able to, you know, do whatever that needs to be done um, while I'm there. But for me, it's anxiety because you don't know. See, when you work in a nursing home, a hospital, or a clinic that I used to work for, you knew more background. And a home care, you know, you, sometimes you don't know that much background. And even though you know they walk with a walker, they do this, a lot of times you walk in, it could be something totally different. So I have to be on it. You know, you have, you know, things can shift, things can be could change, and you have to know exactly what you're, you know, what's going to happen. So I'm very thankful for my background because my background either will step in or God steps in. It's either one or the other. Okay. I have another question. <laughs> another question for you. What happened if, say, two people, say, um, son and daughter, is, is telling you two different things for their mom? How do you handle that? I listen to both, number one. And I always, um, after I hear that, I always talk to the client, the one I'm giving care to. And I ask her what she wants, what she needs. And then I go from there. And then I talk to my nurse and I talk to my manager to make sure that, you know, the main focus is the caregiver of the client. It's all about safety, but I don't want it to where it's anyone's bumping heads because you don't want that in the house because you know that makes the client feel uncomfortable, uneasy. You want everything to be peaceful and everything to go as a, a flow in the house. You don't want that. But a lot of it, when it comes down to um, family members knocking heads like that, it's because they don't know. It's a knowledge thing. 
You know, if you don't know something, you don't understand something, you're going to come from wherever you're going to come from. So no one's wrong. It's just that where you're coming from is just different, your viewpoints and everything like that. So once you have like a conversation or you bring the nurse in or manager in or whatever it may be, communication, then nine times out of 10, everybody's more relaxed. Everybody is understanding and then we're able to focus back on the client. Mm -hmm. That's good. Anthony, these are such good tips. I love it. And I'm sure you have another question. <laughs> no, I think I'm good now. <laughs> well, I tell you, I just love this, this program today. It touched my heart. And it's so true that home health care does heal the heart. It not only heals the heart of the person that's providing the care, but it heals the hearts of everybody involved. So, Ebony, we really appreciate you sharing your insight with us. Is there one thing that you want to leave with the audience, something that um, you feel that would be beneficial for either the family that's looking in that direction or the person who's providing the care? There's always help. Don't think that you know, you're not going to get help and you're alone. Either God has you or there's some type of, you know, uh, social worker or information or facility that will help you in any type of way. It's very important to not only put God first and get knowledge, but research, you know, look at the reviews, look at the, the, the stars, look at all that, ask around, find out, especially if you're thinking about using a home agency or a nursing home. These things are very important because, you know, like you say, you don't want to have anxiety when you're giving your loved one to someone. So you want to make sure you have the wisdom and the knowledge because a lot of people, think that they can't do home care and then they just put them in a nursing home, but there's always options. There's always options. That's good, Ebony. Very good advice. Well, listen, this is what it's all about. It's about life's lessons. And here we have the biggest life lesson here, which is how our hearts are getting healed when we care for our loved ones. And it's about laughter because we have to laugh. And laughing is good. The Bible says it's good like a medicine. And most importantly, it's that love because what comes from the heart touches the heart. And that's what I'm hearing from Ebony. And ultimately, the goal is to make relationships that last. So if you like what you heard, please, please, please be sure to hit the like button. Subscribe to our channel. We want to get this message out to as many people as we can. I know there are people on the other side that will, too, benefit from the wisdom that our dear, beautiful Ebony shared with us. So until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.